Households are supposed to be a place of blessing. And they're supposed to be a place of security and connection and obviously love. And they're meant to be, ideally, a kind of little Garden of Eden, a Garden of Eden. Households are supposed to be a refuge in a world that is full of storms and disasters. However, I'm not oblivious to the fact that for many families, home can be also a war zone. There's continual bickering, there's arguments, and then even in more um, extreme expressions, there can be abuse, there can be outright mistreatment. So the question maybe for us to start thinking about this morning is whether growing up or at present was your home and is your home, is it more of a refuge or is it more of a war zone? Now I understand that for most of us, it's not either one all the time. It tends to be a bit of a, a mix. It tends to be an awkward arrangement because you have imperfect parents trying to parent imperfect children and when I was thinking about that this week, I thought of one of my favorite websites, Awkward Family Photos. Do you guys know that site? Awkwardfamilyphotos.com. No? It's great. Here's, here's some. I'm going to show a few. See, Awkward Family Photos don't really happen anymore because in the digital age, you can just take a million pictures and just self-select out the ones that are great and post those. But back in the day, because um, it's going to break people's brains, before cell phones, you had to like pay per photo. So sometimes what you got is what you got. It was like, we're taking our picture, here it is. And so Awkward Family Photos is this hilarious site where people just upload a previous generation's photos, <laughs> right? Can we go back to the, Greg, there, that one right there. This guy's like my kindred spirit. This, this could have been me with Lauren when she was first born, playing a little video game. She's secure enough, it's fine. <laughs> in Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4, Paul turns his attention to the relationship between parents and children, or youth, and he wants to share God's good news for families and for households as it relates to the parent-child relationship. And it's good news that can transform homes into the kinds of places they were designed by God to be. It's good news that can transform households into the context that is meant to provide what God intended them to provide. Nurture, care, support, connection, love, grace. And Paul begins his instructions to household by addressing children within the families. And he begins by showing them that they actually have a really critical role to play. And he wants them to understand that their actions and their attitudes will have a huge impact on their family's life together. So we'll read from Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, and I'm going to invite Sam up for the reading. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise that you may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instructions of the Lord. 
few notes on context. Probably two things we want to keep in mind as we move through these verses. Again, number one, this is in response to a broader call. This is an application to a broader call that Paul outlines in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 15 to 21, where he's saying to all Christians, be very careful then how you live. Don't live unwise lives. Live, wa- live wisely. Verse 17, understand what the Lord's will is. Don't just kind of float through your life and be like, well, whatever. It's like, no, have some focus. Verse 18, be filled with the Spirit. And then verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So all of those as broad, big principles now start getting focused into households and the relationship between husbands and wives and fathers and to children and parents to children and then ultimately masters to slaves or household servants. And the reason why those three categories are used, women, children, and slaves, is again, we've talked about this, household codes in the first century context. These were codes that were given and presumed by both Jewish and uh, Greco-Roman Gentiles that the man is the head of the household, which means is the ultimate capital A authority, literally holding the power of life and death over his children, and that everyone else in the household isn't just under his influence or authority, but is a demotion and is, in, uh, and is inferior to, her, to him in terms of what we might say is ontological status, in terms of the essence of who th- uh, they are. They are literally second-class citizens within a first-century household. And so when Paul is talking to wives and then children and then slaves, they are going to understand that structure because that is the structure that everybody knows there's instructions to those people on how to behave and what their role is within households. So there's nothing really new here, but that tips us off that uh, the Holy Spirit through Paul is in dialogue with these household codes. And as Client Snodgrass, who's um, a covenant theologian says, he says, what we have to understand is that Uh, the Holy Spirit through Paul is making sure that everyone understands that all the relationships of one's household need to be redefined because of everyone's new relation in Christ. So let's look at, I'm going to look at predominantly verses 1 to 3 today. I had Sam read um, 1 to 4 because that's kind of the whole context of the Um, this segment of the household codes, but I want to just deal with one to three this week and then verse four in more detail next week. So verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. So here we see a command. We're given a command. Children are to obey their parents. Straightforward. Nothing new here. Every child would have known this. They would have, this would have been reinforced both by the family and by the exterior culture in every single way. That's what children do. That is your role, is to obey. Children in the first century context do not have rights the way that we would think about them today. In fact, if a father deems his child to be too wayward, at least in a Greco-Roman context, he has the power of life and death over that child. Now, the word for child here in the Greek is a broad word. It doesn't necessarily mean little ones. It can include adult children, but it's very clear from the context of verses 1 to 4 that this is addressed to children who are of an age to be able to, first of all, hear these instructions in a public context, 
and are still being brought up because he talks to fathers and the command is don't exasperate your children, but instead bring them up in the fear and instruction of the Lord. So really, I think probably in our mind's eye, we can think age four to five to youth, teenage 15 to 18. This is what this command, these are the kind of the, the, these are the boundaries of who this command is addressing. Children, but don't think little kids. It could be little kids all the way up to what we in our day would think of teenagers. Children who are still within the household, who are still being raised and have not yet established themselves as adults. Now notice he says, this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And almost every commentator, I wasn't, um, well, I'll say that uh, for a moment. This is an appeal to what some people would call natural law. This is just an unqualified statement. This is right. Um, Paul doesn't need to try and say, yeah, this is right in this context or this is really good. He's saying, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. And almost every commentator will note that this is designed linguistically to say, this is something that isn't up for debate. Everybody can agree on this. Doesn't matter whether your background is Jewish, whether it's Gentile, every culture in the surrounding area, we all know by just intuitively, and when you look at the nature of things, Paul is saying it is right, it is righteous, it is just a right thing for children to fall under the authority of their parents. He also says in the Lord, and that's a different way of kind of putting a finer point on if you are a child or a youth and you are a Christian, it's a double emphasis. This is especially right for you to do as a Christian. So it's generally the right thing to do for anybody, any child, but especially if you are trying to follow Jesus. And then in Colossians 3.20, Paul will say it even more explicitly. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Paul is saying not only is it right, but this is a very specific way through which children and tweens and teens can please and honor God. This is a critical component of discipleship. Now, what does obey mean? This is pretty important, right? You want to make sure that you have clarity around this word. The word is hypokuete, which literally means underhearing, or we might say understanding. It means to listen, but not just to like, listen to the you know, sound vibrations in the ear and being like, yeah, I heard you, but it actually means to hear, to deeply intake, to, to uh, understand. So it's a posture of the heart which seeks to understand what you're being asked to do in order to do it and to do it willingly. So a lot of commentators will say, again, there's that edge to obedience too. It's not just to follow someone's directions, but to do it willingly. So it's not obedience if you hear what you're being told and be like, fine, I'll do it. That's compliance. Compliance is not the same thing as obedience. I can comply with someone's commands and just do it in my heart and attitude the whole time is saying, I don't want to be doing this. I'm going to communicate and in all kinds of ways in my posturing and my body language, language and my tonality that I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. And I'm only doing this because I have to. But that isn't biblical obedience, right? That's not the obedience God wants from us. God doesn't call us to compliance. He calls us to obedience where we read his commands, we seek to understand them. And even if we don't like them, we say, but God, your will be done, not mine. 
I know what you're calling me to is good. I don't feel like doing this, but I'm going to do it, and I want to do it willingly. So this is a word that means to understand and to really hear something so that you can follow it. Now, we've talked about this when it, as it related to submission, and it's important to say here, whenever the Bible talks about, whenever the Bible issues a call to obey any human authority, whether it's a government, a parent, a pastoral leadership, it is never, um, that's never just a full-on, no matter what they say, just obey. There's always a larger biblical caveat, which is only to the extent they're calling you to do something which isn't evil or wrong or contravenes scripture. So this is not children obey your parents no matter what they tell you to do. It's a posture which says to the extent that my parents are not telling or calling me to do something evil or wrong, I should listen and obey. There's always the little asterisk besides obedience to human authority that says, well, ultimately though, if someone's telling you to do something evil or wrong, you don't do it because you must obey God rather than people, right? And that's kind of implied in the text. Obey your parents in the Lord. So obey your parents to the extent that they are have, a, have at least a trajectory of moving you and asking you to do things that are good. And that means that if your parent or parents or any authority figure is asking you to participate in something abusive by taking part in it or to participate in something abusive because you know about it, but they're asking you to not tell anyone about it, that you disobey that request or that command you do not obey anybody who's asking you to do evil or wrong. If your parent, and I, and I wrote this down, and I thought, I wonder how many people think this is extreme. I know people in this situation. If you have a parent, for example, who's trying to push you into trying drugs, you have biblical authority to disobey them. Because it's not, oh, obey your parents. My parent's telling me to do this, I guess I just do it. No, it's always recognizing you're obeying them in the Lord which means you never obey any earthly authority into something that would contravene and contradict or is wrong in terms of what Jesus wants for your life and what is clearly revealed in scripture, right? You never obey anyone who tells you to do something that violates what the Bible says is right and true and just. I wanna make sure that's really clear. Here's the rub though. Asking you to respect a curfew is not evil. It is not wrong. Requiring you to limit your time playing Fortnite isn't sinful on your parents' part. Preventing you, even, from going to a party where there's going to be drugs and alcohol is not abusive. You might not like these things. They might not be rules or instructions that you prefer, but that is not the same thing as my parents are asking me to do something evil, so I just can't do it. And I'm gonna reject their guidance in my life. You are to obey your parents to the extent that they're calling you to do something which is good and healthy for you, even if you don't want to do it. You're to consider why they're asking you to do this, 
So we encourage our kids, if they don't understand something, they can say, okay, I don't understand though. Like, why can't I? And we try and explain to them. Because that's part of what obedience is, is to grapple with something, just try and really understand it, and then say, okay, I'm going to obey. I might not understand it fully. I might not like it fully. I might not even agree with it fully. But out of respect for my parents, and ultimately out of respect for God, I'm going to follow through. And I want to say this is this call to obey your parents. I understand. You know, if I was a teenager hearing these words, I understand the impulse to just clam up and armor up against this idea. But the call to obey your parents is incredibly important. It, and yeah, I think you need to consider it really, really carefully. If your instinct is just to be dismissive of the idea, just hit the pause button on that dismissal and really think about it because you need to understand you are in an entire culture that in so many ways, watch for it, have your eyes open to the fact that our culture is almost constantly celebrating and normalizing disobedience, dishonoring, uh, dismissing and outright rejecting any kind of parental authority. Look at the way parents are portrayed in movies and in media. Look at the way children's attitudes towards parents are portrayed. There is a pervasive attitude that says part of what it means to be a strong, self-actualized, competent human being is to assert your authority over and against all other authorities in your life, and that needs to start in childhood. But disobedience, the Bible says, is a very serious spiritual issue. In Romans 1, Paul actually talks about how disobedience to parents is tied to a larger rejection of God's authority over our life. So in Romans 1, Paul says, he's speaking about people who have hardened their hearts against God. He says, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him. But in their thinking, they became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. What's the fruit of this darkened heart, this rejection of God. Romans 1.30, they became slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invented ways of doing evil and they disobey their parents. Disobedience, an unwillingness to hear and respond respectfully to parents is seen as a fruit of a deeper spiritual issue where what we're really communicating is indifference and rejection towards God. And so if the default position of your heart is rejection, um, dishonoring language and words, complete dismissal or rejection of your parental authority, and you call yourself a Christian, you need to do a bit of a spiritual gut check before God because those can't really exist. They, those can't coincide. That doesn't mean you have to have a perfect relationship with your parents, but it does mean that the fundamental posture towards your parents is kind of living with a middle finger towards them, but at the same time being like, oh God, I love you, I want to follow you, I'm all, I love you, Jesus. That's oil and water. Because in some way, your willingness to obey your parents is the first training ground through which you learn to obey and wrestle with God and be obedient to him. And so disobedience to parents is a big deal because it actually reveals the posture of your heart. And it can reveal a posture that's anti-wisdom, anti-life, literally anti-Christ anti-God. And that's why God calls children to obey their parents. Verse 2, we see the path. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, 
This is the path. What does it mean to obey your parents if it doesn't mean just doing whatever they tell you to do? It means seeking to honor them. Obedience means honoring your parents. And Paul grounds this call to obey in the fifth commandment, taken from Exodus 20 and then reiterated in Deuteronomy 5:16. Now, I didn't notice this before. I, uh, there was, and yet there was eight or nine commentators who highlighted this, and I think it's pretty interesting. This command to obey your parents, Paul, within this, these first two verses, he reinforces that on three different levels. He says, it's right, So on the most general level, everybody. This applies to everybody. He then says, it's right for any God-fearing Jewish person. He quotes it from the Ten Commandments. And then he says, it's right because in the Lord, this is especially important for you as a Christian. So there's three levels of reinforcement. And part of what that leads me to conclude and many of other commentators is there's actually no wiggle room given to interpreting this call for children or youth to obey parents as kind of non-binding in a way that maybe is distinct from some of the instructions and applications to um, within marriage and then within the master-slave relationship where Paul doesn't do this. Here he says, it's right, kind of it's an Old Testament thing and it's a New Testament thing. Boom, boom, boom. You're not getting out of this. He's really reinforcing how important this is for anybody, for anybody who's God-fearing and especially anybody who claims to follow Jesus. Paul connects the command to honor with the call to obey. What does obedience look like? It doesn't mean just mechanical, like, oh, again, compliance, I'll just do whatever they say. It means seeking to hear them and then to respond in a way that's honorable, that brings them honor. Now, I'll talk about the dynamic of how do you do that if your parents aren't actually honorable, though. We'll talk about that next week. But for now, I just want to look at this side of the coin, which is you are called to attempt to honor them. And honor is a Greek word, that is tima, and it just means great respect, to, to give a high status to something, to elevate something. And so in very basic terms, to honor your father and mother means at least to speak to them respectfully and sincerely and to speak of them around other people respectfully and to seek to honor them by doing what they ask you to do in the best way possible. Not dragging your feet, not mumbling under your breath, not, you know, metaphorically flipping the table in your mind, but learning to come under their leadership and to challenge yourself to bring them honor even when it isn't easy. It means at least speaking and interacting with our parents in a way that there still might be tension, there still might be some conflict, but your parent walks away thinking, I still kind of feel like they respect me, though. Like, there was nothing in that thing. Like, they were wrestling, you know, maybe you have a tough conversation about something with your 16-year-old. But you can have a hard conversation and still walk away feeling respected because of how they're talking to you. So there's no bad-mouthing. There's no derogatory slander behind their back. And in general, yeah, you respect and obey their household rules. You don't have to necessarily agree with them all. You don't even have to understand them all in, in the f- full scope of things but you are called to respect and obey their rules. And remember, obedience is just as much about attitude as action. It's not just compliance. It's about saying, I hear and I want to respond, but I'm not just going to go through the motions. I'm going to respond in a way that brings them honor. And sometimes that's just as simple as, again, very basic manners, please and thank yous, 
saying thank you to your parents, going out of your way to just do little things that show that you respect them. Instead of waiting to be asked, intentionally um, you know, asking the question, how can I be of help right now? How can I support you? But again, this call to honor is something that you should just be doing as a Christian, generally speaking, not just towards your parents. Parents should be doing it towards their children. Wives should be doing it towards their husbands. Husbands should be doing it towards their wives. Churches, sh- church members should be doing it towards each other because in Romans 12, 10, the call that Paul gives to all Christians is love one another with mutual affection. And he says, outdo one another in showing honor. So again, that's just a Christian virtue that we should all have, but Paul is bringing this to a point and saying it's especially important for children to do that towards their parents because it's training ground of how you learn to live under the authority of someone else if you really intend to live under the authority of Jesus um, for the rest of your life. And so the path to fulfilling this command is to honor your parents. And then verse three, we're given a promise. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And so this is the promise. If you honor and obey your parents, life will go well with you. Now like a lot of promises in scripture, it's not wise to interpret a um, a promise as a binding guarantee. That's not really the way promises work in scripture. God says, generally speaking, if you follow me, I'm going to bless you, and if you disobey me, uh, your life is going to end up in shambles. Now again, we can probably have immediate things come to mind where we're like, well, I obeyed God in this area, or I was trying to, and my life went into shambles, or I was walking away from God and giving God the middle finger, I mean, like, I'm gonna do things my way, and I prospered, and the Bible talks about that tension. Book of Ecclesiastes talks about that tension a lot. Psalms talk about that tension a lot. But generally speaking, The promises of God are such for God is that I've designed the world to work in a certain way. And if you do these things, generally speaking, this is the outcome that you can expect. So yes, generally speaking, if you seek to obey me, you will flourish and you will prosper. And if you choose to ignore my ways, you will kind of heap hardship on yourself. And if you think about how obeying and honoring your parents would just make your life go well with you, it's pretty self-evident, right? I mean, Uh, R.K. Hughes in his commentary highlights a few ways. If you think about little children, if little children obey their parents, they're gonna be regularly warned from avoiding things that are just directly physically harmful to them, right? So you're gonna experience less accidents, less physical trauma, um, and in more extreme cases, even death maybe, if you're taught to avoid certain high places or sharp objects. An obedient child's gonna be spared bad habits and bad friends that tend to ruin or shorten life, especially in the tween, teen, uh, young adult uh, years. Children and teens who obey or honor their parents are going to generally prosper because although your parents might be imperfect, generally speaking, you can pick up good habits that as you learn to make those your own, they will bear a certain fruitfulness. So as you learn to not play Fortnite for as long as you possibly want to. You're learning self-control. You're learning to apply wisdom to your life. You're learning discipline. You're learning manners. You're learning to get to sleep on time and that sleep routine and all these little good habits as they build, they build a momentum and they can positively 
impact your life in ways that you can't always understand or fully appreciate when you're 9, 14, 17 years old. And then, of course, there is that element of God's supernatural blessing where God, Jesus, declares that God sees what is done in secret and he will reward you. So even if your parents don't reward you or bless you in the way that they should in response to your honoring them, as a Christian, you can move forward confidently knowing if you honor God in your life, God sees it. And ultimately, you're doing this in the Lord and for the Lord, and he will bless you. Might not happen right now, but there are spiritual, supernatural blessings in your life that will come from seeking to honor your mother and father. Because in some ways, God receives that as honoring to him. And so that's the promise. If you honor and obey your parents, life will, generally speaking, go better for you. It's gonna go well with you. Now I'm gonna guess that this is not a sermon that many children or tweens or teens would maybe be too excited about hearing. But again, this message is incredibly important to consider very, very carefully in a culture that normalizes and even celebrates disobedience to parents. And the Bible repeatedly calls someone who does that a fool. And if that's you this morning, if you're someone who's like, I don't really listen to my parents, I have no desire, this is a kind of a message, I'm just tuning out, I'm shutting down, I don't want this to be part of my life, I don't consider this part of my discipleship obligation to Jesus, I would just strongly, strongly ask you to reconsider that path that you're walking. If you've got a moment this week, just do a little Google search uh, and search up Proverbs and the word fool. And just read all the scriptures that come up, just in the book of Proverbs as it relates to the fool. And understand that if you entrench and move down this path that you're moving in terms of an unwillingness to obey your father and mother, you should read about what you should expect from life. So that in a year from now, in five years from now, in 10 years from now, when you're sitting there and lamenting and saying, God's not fair, this isn't right, my life is supposed to be blessed, you will all be able to say in good conscience, I warned you, I I told you so. This is a serious issue, this is a big issue. Very carefully consider your ways as it relates to how you relate to your parents. Because disobedience to parents is a big deal because it lays the foundation for disobedience to God. And that means some of you might need to turn to Jesus and really ask for forgiveness and help. And ask that God would put in you a heart and desire to please him, and that would include a desire to honor your parents. God commands you to obey your parents, obedience will seek to honor and respect them, and life is generally gonna go better with you as you strive to do this. And that might not be easy, but it's right and God will bless you for it. I'll be the first to say, being a part of a family is awkward, it's challenging, but it doesn't have to be a place of continuous stress and conflict. Jesus is calling you to help make your home a refuge instead of a war zone. And so my pastoral charge to you is to follow Jesus into that vision And if you do, you can expect great blessings in return. Let's pray.
God, teach all of us to be Christians who are not simply compliant in our spirits, but who are obedient. And that posture is one of an attitude that longs to willingly follow your commands. The psalmist says, I run in the paths of your commands. That's where we find freedom, God. That's where we find purpose and fulfillment. And I pray for all of the children in this church and the tweens and the teens. And I pray that you would protect them from the lies that can so easily take root in our heart that disobedience and disregard towards parents is not a big deal. And God, that there would be a revival of sorts within this community, but it would start within this church of um, children within households taking up a vision to be an example of outdoing one another and showing honor to their parents. Continue to lead us, God, so that our homes become increasingly places of refuge and grace for your name's sake. Amen.